Hello and welcome to Endurance Minded. It's the podcast that aims to redefine what it means to reach our full potential by exploring how movement and mindset impacts our lives and how we can all work to show up as the best versions of ourselves. I'm your host, Taylor Thomas, founder and coach at TEC. And on this episode, we're going to bring you a little bit different content. Uh, This uh, episode is going to be about me. It's going to be about my story. And I was prompted to do this episode um, by um, a wonderful member of our Impact Initiative team. Um, Her name is Becca. And she challenged me to tell my story. She challenged me to explore how I got to where I'm at, to reflect on what I've learned, um, what twists and turns have brought me to where I'm at. And I think it's an important story in the sense that I think a lot of times folks wonder, you know, how did this endurance guy go from an athlete and coaching athletes and racing bikes to being a business coach and working in leadership development and helping other coaches grow and scale their businesses and doing some of the things and engaging in some of the things that that I'm engaged in. And it's a, and it's a fair question and, and it's one that I hope that will provide a lot of value and a lot of perspective for our listeners because my hope is that I can always help to provide a bit more perspective and to provide a bit more nuance and to help flatten the learning curve for other people so that they can spend more time doing what they love. They can get to a place where they're engaged in things in a meaningful way in their own lives and and that they're making progress and making strides in the direction of the things that matter most to them. And so my hope in telling at least part of my story um, is that it will it will help that there'll be some takeaways that you can learn from the struggles that I've had and the instances in my life that I've had where I wasn't sure what to do and I wasn't sure what my next step was and I wasn't confident in what I was supposed to be doing or how I was, how I was supposed to get there and. So this, um, this is a big step for me uh, in the sense that, you know, I'm not, I'm not great at being vulnerable. Um, I struggle to imagine that anyone wants to hear my story and that my story is one that is valuable or has value. And I think maybe that's the other angle or my hope in, in presenting this to, to you is that it might help overcome imposter syndrome, or it might help us overcome that that little thing in the back of our minds that tells us, uh, no one's interested in what I have to say, or I don't deserve to be here, or I don't know what I'm talking about, or my story's not interesting, or whatever that narrative is for you, maybe in me doing this and overcoming those same thoughts that I had about 
the fact that this is not what people want to hear, that um, it's not valuable, that I should be focusing on other things, whatever that is, that maybe you'll you'll get out of your own way. Um, you'll get out of your own head. You'll share your story. You'll engage again in things that you care about. You'll take that next step. You'll look for support. You'll look for resources. Look for a place to turn that allows you to do things you care about, that allows you to get out of your own way, to change that narrative in your mind um, so that so that you can engage, so that you can do hard things. And that's one of the themes that you'll hear um, in this story as Becca guides us through different questions and asks me different different questions to kind of pull apart my story is that um, it's the culmination of doing really hard things for a really long time um, and that I really see value in that I wouldn't I wouldn't change it um, that that I think hard hard is good and 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 it matters that the things that we care most about, are challenging and they're not served to us on a platter and that they're they're not easy and up up for grabs and and here for the taking that we have to work for it and i think of all the challenges i've had and the highs and lows and learning experiences and all of the twists and turns the one thing that remains the same is that i love the fact that it's hard i love that it's not easy i love that i get the opportunity to learn and grow and continue to engage in things that are uncomfortable uh, because i know for a fact that on the other side of that discomfort on the other side of the heart is something that is truly good um, and life-changing and valuable and so it's worth the effort and you know we make the distinction of is it hard for the sake of being miserable or is it hard for the sake of being fulfilling and I think I just want you to kind of hold that um, as you move through this episode. You know, is it hard for the sake of just pure misery or is is it hard because it's fulfilling? And that's really a cornerstone for me and, and a thread that Becca helps pull apart um, and expose as we go through just kind of the high level version of of, you know, my story is that hard in the direction of being fulfilled. Hard because it it matters and it's meaningful and it's something I care about. Um, and then being able to be really honest when it's not that, when it's just miserable. And you'll hear a part of my story that that reflects that. Um, and that, that required some real change and some real soul searching. Um, and so we go from, you know, kind of start to finish. What led me to endurance sports to, um, what led me to uh, to business? Uh, what my first business looked like? The challenges there? Um, how that produced perspective uh, up to um, founding TEC to the evolution there to um, to what I do with Impact Initiative and the business and leadership space and working with uh, founders, entrepreneurs, teams, executives around the world to help them maximize their impact on the world and develop their leadership skills. And so, what we learn is that it's all related. It all led me to where I'm at right now. It all builds on itself. Nothing happens in isolation. And it's important that we pay attention and that we're willing to learn and we remain curious and we remain vulnerable and we remain open to the opportunity that we have things to learn. Um, and that when we engage in things we care about and we're willing to 
stay consistent, do hard things because we know that they're important, that it will yield good results all of the time. So I want to thank you for listening. This is a long one. Uh, We settled in. We let this one just kind of run its course. This is a longer form um, episode than we typically release. So I want to thank you for listening. I want to thank you for taking the time to share in my story with me, giving me a space to do that. I hope it's valuable to you. And um, I'd love to hear what you think about it uh, at enduranceminded.com. Leave us a a quote or a question at the bottom and please enjoy my story. Let's, uh, let's, let's get into it. How, uh, how are you going to force me to be vulnerable today? (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to pry you apart. Just kidding. Mm. Um, no, to start this, this should be real easy and fun. Um, I just want you to give me a little of your history with endurance sports. Like when did you first get into it? Did you get a bike at age three and then nobody could catch you from then on? Or like, <laughs> when did yeah. you first start getting into more of an like endurance sports space, even beyond just uh, regular fitness or jogging, bike riding. Right. Yeah. You know, I kind of always wished I was one of those, those kids or that story of, you know, I got a bike when I was three and that was the end and, you know, they can never catch me. Um, I mean, I spent a lot of time outdoors as a kid. I I grew up in a a farm um, in a rural part of South Carolina. Um, But no, I mean, that wasn't like, um, you know, I was just a normal kid. So the first kind of exposure to that was um, I wasn't really great at ball sports, um, like like quote unquote classic, you know, basketball, baseball, um, which were like the go-tos when I was growing up. Um, so I picked up uh, soccer and cross country and I really liked soccer and our soccer coach was great and he really placed an emphasis on fitness. And so he encouraged all of us to run cross country because that was the opposite season. Um, and so you can build like aerobic fitness and preparation for, for soccer. Um, and that was the first time I'd like competed. That was in high school. Um, the first time I competed in like some sort of endurance sport trained, you know, for running. And, um, and then I went to college and really stuck with it. You know, I I had like a, a small blip as I think most college kids do like my first semester of freshman year where I was not healthy, you know, and just like um, doing all the things that college kids do. And then I was like, ah, you know, I really like training. Like I I like to run, I like to exercise. Um, So I got back in the gym, started running again. And, um, and that was when I really like was interested in, uh, got interested in, in like really pushing myself. So I started to uh, in college, I ran my first marathon Um, then I was really interested to see if I could do that fast. And so I started training really hard, um, for marathons and, uh, yeah. So that was, I think that was really it. Like college was probably realistically like the first time I'd had, cause it was, cause it was also up to me, right? Like no one, I went to college on an academic scholarship. I didn't go for sports. Um, and, and so I didn't have to train. Um, I, I could have, you know, I could have done anything. Um, I could have not been, uh, been active. 
Um, so yeah, I think that was the first time it felt like it kind of clicked for me in terms of like really being interested in engaging in like endurance sports and training, finding that kind of internal drive for myself. It wasn't a coach, you know, it wasn't a team sport. It wasn't, um, something I had to do. And that, that really kicked things off, you know, and I was, I mean, I was eight, 18, 18 or 19 probably. So you must've had like a good amount of focus on academics since you were on an academic scholarship, what was, did you find that endurance sports like trying to increase your marathon time or even running a marathon um, helped you focus more on your school stuff? Was it, did it feel related to you or is it just, here's this other thing I enjoy doing? Yeah, that's a great question. You know, I, I'd like to say that I, I put that final point on it as a kid. I mean, now certainly I recognize the value of like that kind of focus and, and kind of dedication and how that shows up in other areas of our lives. But I mean, I, I have also always really liked routine. Um, and I like giving myself a schedule. I like having deadlines. I like, and so to that end, it helped me kind of be regimented in a way that felt very productive for me and just the way that I like to work. And so, yeah, I mean, I wrote myself a schedule, you know, and this of course was like pre, you know, I had like a day timer. Um, and I was like, okay, like it's 6 a.m. track workout and then, and then school. And then in between these classes, you're going to study and you're going to do that at the library and you're going to, and then, you know, at five o'clock, you are done. You're going to go to the gym. You're going to do a strength workout. And then you're going to study from here to here. And then you're going to have dinner. And you guys, so I just like I always, it helped me just kind of like bookend my day and think about how I would get all of the things done that I needed to get done, especially as I continued to move like through my college career, you know, and things just got uh, harder, right? Like as, as the workload intensified as I was, you know, writing my thesis and different things. Um, yeah, it was always a piece of that, that I think really helped me just kind of like, um, stay in the game and like stay focused. Um, and I kind of built my schedule around that and it was something that I, I prioritized. And so it meant that I really had to prioritize like how I got everything else in. Um, because the training piece did take up a fair amount of time. So yeah. Yeah. Um, early days of like probably how I feel about things now. <laughs> like we could not have been more different in our approach to academics. <laughs> yeah. yeah I mean, amazing. my roommates, my roommates at the time, like, <laughs> no, I mean, my, my roommates then, and so, some of them um, I'm still close with. I mean, they've long said that, like, I'm, like, a 70-year-old man. Like, I've always been trapped in, like, a young person's body. Like, you know, like, they're out, like, doing their thing. And, yeah, I was just, like, I was, like, guys, from uh, from 10 to 11.30, I've blocked out time for friendship. If you'd like to engage in that friendship now, <laughs> you know, I was, like, we can have a rousing game of ping pong, and then I'm going to go back to my schedule. <laughs> they're, like, what is wrong with you? <laughs> That's amazing. So from the, like, academics were clearly a focus too. What were you planning on throughout college being, like, your 
career? Did you have a strong job, work, career focus in mind? Or was it more like, I'm just going to do these academics? Yeah. How did that progress? Yep. Yeah, that's probably like the the twistiest, turniest part of the story, maybe. I mean, at least early on. Um, so I went to school for, to be a doctor. Um, I was like, this is definitely it. Like I was pre-med. I excelled in science in high school. Um, kind of so much so that I like maxed out of my high school classes when I was a sophomore. So I started taking um, uh, college classes my junior year. Um, and, and I was like, Oh yeah, this is, this is it. And I liked it. Like I, I was good at it and it was fun. And, you know, and I, I, that seemed like, you know, that's like one of the paths people talk about, right? Like it, it was very, I grew up in like, again, the rural South and, you know, a traditional family. And they're like, this is a good job. Like if you can be a doctor, like that's the pinnacle. I was like, okay, great. Like, I'll, I'll do that. Um, and I was the first, like, first person. Um, my, my dad went back to school, but I was the first person to, like, go through kind of a traditional path. Ultimately, both of my parents are very well educated, but they did that uh, retroactively. So, um, you know, there was, like, that just seemed like a really straightforward path. It was, like, great, like, first person to kind of go through this traditional college path and I'll be a doctor and that'll be great. Um, and then like I got to college and honestly, like it was just really hard. Like I, I really struggled with, um, I had kind of, I had really breezed through high school and breezed through like early college classes. And, um, and I, I really struggled with the math. I'm not good at math and this is a dumb thing to say, but like, I didn't realize how much math was involved <laughs> in pre-med. I'm sitting uh, here like, why is math important for becoming a doctor? That yeah. I know it was a very, very heavy math curriculum. And I am, I do not have a math brain. I'm Ooh. still currently not good at math. Um, it's not the way my brain works. And so um, fast forward, like, I was like, I got to pivot. Like, this doesn't this doesn't feel fulfilling anymore. I remember like had a bit of a breakdown. I was on the side of like on campus, like walking down the sidewalk, called my dad. And I was like, man, I don't like, I don't think this is it. Like I'm, I'm really, really struggling. Like my grades are not, I, and I was going to like all the tutoring doing all again. I was like, it wasn't for lack of trying. And I was just like, I don't know, like this, this might not be in the cards. Um, and, and he was like, well, just, you know, do, do it. Like you got to enjoy it, you know, like do what you do. It feels right. So, uh, in that time I had taken a couple of like more advanced history classes and I really liked those. And I'd always enjoyed reading, um, and, like learning about history. So I pivoted, um, uh, and I double majored in history and religion um <laughs> and and I was like oh great I'm gonna be a professor um I was like that'll be great because I still wanted to like pursue higher education like post post you know collegiate like graduate work um oh. and so then you know did that loved it 
like legitimately had the best time. Like I like being a student. So I loved studying and I loved writing papers and I was such a nerd and I loved all that stuff. Um, and was on track to, uh, like visited some schools. I was going to actually move to New Zealand for a doctorate program. And, um, I just really wanted to start working. I, I, I don't know. I don't know exactly like what the pivotal kind of inflection point was, but I just was, I just didn't see a ton of value in like continuing to be a student. Um, I had like gotten into these programs, was looking down kind of the runway of what that was going to look like. You know, I was 21 years old or whatever. And I was like, man, like I'm going to be 30 by the time this is really like off up and running, you know, like we're going to, you know, and, and not to diminish like what it's required to, to, to do that. But I don't know. I just felt like that wasn't really what I was supposed to do. And so, um, and so I didn't take those offers. I didn't go to school, um, after college. Um, yeah, I started my first company shortly thereafter. Um, and yeah, the rest is history, I suppose. <laughs> well, I want to pick a little bit at that transition from pre-med into changing majors, because clearly at that time, from what you said about how you scheduled out your day, about not only running marathons, but like, oh, this is fun. Let me get better times. You weren't afraid of hard things. <clears throat> So what helped you, I don't know, parse apart, like doing really hard things, going for training, pushing yourself? I mean, I have to imagine, even if that naturally is something you enjoy, that there didn't feel easy all the time, pushing yourself physically. What helped you see it differently, the what you were facing as a pre-med student of like, this is difficult and difficult to the point where I know I need to make a change rather than like double down and push harder. Yeah, that's a great question. I don't know. I mean, I think it certainly started with some version of like an identity crisis. You know, I had, I had put a lot of my self-worth, in how good of a student I was and like how easy and I, I mean I worked really hard but it yeah I mean it, it came up until that point had come what felt like relatively easily it felt like you know felt like kind of my um something I was good at and so I, I think really it was again, I was like back, I remember that conversation with my dad and it was that I wasn't, I, I genuinely wasn't enjoying the process of engaging in those hard things. Like it felt Ooh. demeaning and it didn't feel like there was a reward. And it also seemed like it was an impossible hill to climb 
because I was like, this is just the beginning. Like I'm only two years in, like we got, you know, I got to get out of college. I got to go into a pre-med program. I mean, we're just scratching the surface and, and I just like couldn't imagine continuing to feel that like defeated and deflated um, for however long that runway, you know, I mean, I was making a lot of that up in my mind, but I was trying to like map out what that would actually look like. And yeah, I think it came down to just enjoyment and, and, you know, to your, you said like, well, you know, the training thing was, was hard. And I think that's the difference. It's like hard, hard for what, right? Like I think they're always, and I really, really recognize this now is like, there's a difference between hard and miserable. Right. And I think in, Mm -hmm. in relation to school at that time, I was miserable. And so it was like hard with no payoff, right. Hard with no, with no purpose, with no undercurrent of excitement. And I think that's the real balance between like hard and miserable, right. Like hard in my mind, like how I define that is like, it's okay. If it's hard, it has this, you're still, it's engaging. It's something that you're excited about at some level and miserable. It's just like, there's no benefit. Um, so yeah, I think, I think that was it for me. I think I was for maybe lack of a better term. I was miserable and I, yeah, I just wanted to enjoy it because I liked being a student too. Like, I think that was part of it as well as it really took that like joy from me. Like I really enjoyed learning. I still do. Like, I am a, I'm like a student every day. I like read and, you know, I love like exploring new concepts and different things. And, um, yeah, so I think it like took that from me too, which was frustrating. And again, like miserable versus hard. So yeah, I think I just didn't want to, yeah, I didn't want to continue to like push forward with no, clear benefit um and i think that was the difference is that something you've ever faced in the physical like endurance sport space we don't necessarily have to dig into it too much right now but i'm curious if that's always stayed in the well this is hard but i'm seeing a seeing the benefit for it like i can anticipate or see that there's a payoff or have you ever come to a point in the physical space where it was like you're trying to accomplish a goal or training in some way and it was feeling more miserable. Yeah, a lot. And I think that's a really core kind of tenet as, you know, as we think about like our athletic identity and people who engage in that space and in whatever way, like it doesn't have to be like endurance, you know, literally however people move. Um, I think we we all get to, you know, different kind of junctions where we have to decide if that's the thing that's like still fulfilling, you know? And so for me, I'll give you an example, like the last, um, the last 100 mile ultra marathon race that I was scheduled to run. Um, I had been struggling with injury in my left knee and my hip for, for a while. And it was actually from the last, before that, the last hundred mile race that I'd run. 
Um, and I signed up because again, it was just like part of like who I am that, you know, I thought that at the time. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and I kept going and I kept training and I was like, and I just kept being hurt. Like I couldn't work through it It as PT and massage and mobility. I was doing all the things that I like knew how to do and leveraging all the resources that I have. And it like every run hurt after every run hurt. And I got to a point where I was just like, well, this, like, this is diminishing return. Like to what end, right? Like, is this really Mm -hmm. what I'm going to do is I'm just going to keep pushing. Like at this particular time, uh, it was like February, the race was in September. And I was like, I mean, what is this it? Like for, for like the entire year, I'm just going to struggle. And then what I'm going to do this race, I'm clearly going to be hurt to some level. Like, even if I can show up and feel healthy, this race is absolutely going to hurt me again. And, and so I pulled the plug and I haven't run a hundred miler since I haven't run. Let me think about that before I say it. I don't think I've run an ultra distance since then. Um, I may have run like a 50 K with friends, but that was probably, that was three years ago. Um, and, and it's just, you know, it, it, I had to like ask myself what the value of engaging like in that particular distance was, right? Like, is it the distance that matters or is it feeling good and being healthy and like sharing experiences with people that I care about? Like, that's really what I was doing. Like I have a really good friend of mine that I was training with and I liked running in the mountains with him. Like I liked getting up early and seeing sunrises and, you know, in the mountains and, and, it was really just a means to an end. Like it was like a way to have these experiences with people that I enjoy spending time with. Um, and if it wasn't really giving me that, like, what's the point, you know, like I don't need to do a hundred miler just to say I've done it. I had to get to that point. There was a time before I kind of had that talk with myself where I wasn't clear what the answer to that was, but yeah, I, I think, and I've had, I've had lots of like crossroads like that where I'm like, is this thing, is it worth it? Like, what's the value here? Why am I doing it in the first place? Like, what's my why? Um, I always advocate for a why that is deeper than just like to see if it's possible, right? Or to see like, again, like my why is like, because like those shared experiences are things that like otherwise I I'm not able to engage in, right? Like to have a body that is fit enough to share experiences with friends of mine in the mountains. Like if I don't have that fitness, I can't, I can't engage in those things. And that's something that's really important to me. It's not because like to see if I can do it right. Or like, because it's hard. Like, I think it's always something deeper than that. So I think that why, um, like when you're clear on that, those crossroads become a little easier to navigate. I could go on and on. Like literally it's happened so many times uh, where I'm just like, what is the point, you know, or yeah. what am I doing here? Piece a little bit more <clears throat> looking back at that transition out of college when you were thinking at first, moved to double history, religion major, really enjoyed it, did really well. We're thinking you're going to keep down that academic path. Was that 
whether or not you thought about it in exactly these terms at the time, was that digging into your why and um, any part of why you moved from the path of I'm going to pursue like being in academia with this to now I'm going to go work? Were there other pressures? Like what kind of do you remember about that? Because a history religion major like that is uh, there's no clear work career path right. <laughs> coming out yeah. of an undergrad degree yeah. with those. It would usually be a more schooling or like, okay, I just got my degree and I'm going to go do stuff. Um, so is, did that kind of processing thinking play into why you ended up not continuing to pursue academia? Um, or was it not even that deep in that, you know, not every yeah. surprising thing we do in our life has to be super deep, but. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I think. I think it probably was the the under uh, tone here. The context is that in college, uh, I was lucky enough to meet my now wife, um, and we were dating. And I was certainly factoring in what that like what our lives could look like, right? And and what mm. I what we wanted that to look like and what, you know, and so I, I think, that, yeah, that was part of it. And there was no pressure from her. Um, but yeah, I think like part of it was, I was, I was ready to get to work, right? Like I was ready to, to like build a life that allowed us to, to do things. And part of that was like, you know, what did that look like from a debt perspective? Like, did I really want to go to school for another 10 years? And like, you know, there was some scholarships available. I mean, but there was going to be a massive financial commitment in any number of facets. Um, if nothing else, like the program that I was looking at was in New Zealand. Like my wife had a really good job. She is so much smarter than I am. And she graduated college early, like got a job with a big financial institution. Like she was well on her way. Uh, in that particular season of her life. And she was gonna have to quit that, right? Like she, I was like, well, this is, now we're gonna go to this other thing and you're gonna like work on a sheep farm or like, like literally we were looking at, I was like, what can you do? And that was one of the options. Like they're, you know, she worked in the, in the US stock market that obviously wasn't gonna carry over uh, into New Zealand. Um, so yeah, I, I mean, it definitely, it was, and, and to your question, like, that was my why I was just like, you know, it has to be, um, that mattered more to me than, than like a degree. Um, and I, and I didn't, and when I was honest, like, I didn't want it bad enough to fight for it. You know, I think that's the other, you know, I think there's a lot of, I've had a lot of instances like that in my life where I'm like, you know, yeah, I don't know. I don't, you know, there's things worth fighting for. Absolutely. And then there's also things where like, you know, if it's, if it's too hard, like, is that a sign? You know, like, I remember like another real conversation we had is like, we had, we had a, um, our dog and, and, um, I was like, what are we going to do with him? Like he, he, we had rescued him from, 
a shelter. He had like severe separation anxiety. I was like, he, he would die if we put him on a plane. Like he would literally be so nervous. There'd be no way that he would make it. And that was a consideration. Like, I mean, we had that dog up until just a, like a few years ago. He lived to be very old. Ooh. He was a black lab. Um, and like, he was great. And I was like, well, this is like, I'm responsible for him. Like, I can't just make a decision um, that, you know, that like puts this dog at risk. Um, and yeah, so, I mean, there was a few things at play. And I think, yeah, ultimately it's just like, this doesn't feel like, like where I'm supposed to go. You know, I was excited to build a life um, and like kind of get started on that. And I mean, yeah, it sounds like silly, but you know, I had this dog that I liked, really liked hanging out with. And I was like, I don't want, I don't want him to like, you know, suffer. Like I'm not going to leave him. And we went on to have like, you know, what, like from that point, like 16 more like awesome years together. Um, and yeah, you know, I think that's a, that's a big part of it. Yeah. Other, other priorities. Like I said. Mm-hmm. So you said soon after you graduated, you were excited at that point. Like these other things are more important to me than pursuing the academic route. <clears throat> you said soon after that you started a company. Did you do that while you're working at another job? And what was like, what was the company and what led you to that? Hey, I want to start something. Yeah. Uh, pursuit. Um, because there, there's nothing in here about <clears throat> um, doing endurance athletics or enjoying history, religion, that kind of stuff that says entrepreneur. Like what right. brought that thread into, into your life? Yeah. I've thought about that a lot. I, I really want to have a very clear answer for that. I don't know. I mean, part of it, I'm sure part of it is um, when I was, I don't know, I was probably in middle school. um, My dad uh, quit a very stable job um, to to start his own company, uh, which is great, which I have a ton of respect for um, and has gone on to continue to be an entrepreneur for the rest of his life. and, uh, and so, I, I mean, that, there was, that had some impact for sure. Just this idea, like you can do it. Like my, you know, he didn't have any like experience in starting a business. Like he, um, he, he took much like I was kind of on the trajectory of like took a, started out with a very traditional path. He got a job working for the same company that my granddad worked for as a state run power company that was a clear path to retirement, right? Like just show up, do the work 30 years done. That's what my granddad did. My, you know, and yeah, my son, my dad started down that path. And then he was like, this isn't, you know, this isn't it. Um, so he started his own thing. And so I think I had some, at least some language to kind of describe, you know, how that might look and feel for me. And so, yeah, to your question, um, I got to say when I graduated college, yeah, I, I started, I had, like had a few jobs. Um, I got a job with a commercial construction company. Um, my dad, I grew up like working construction jobs and I was like, oh, okay, like well, I'll do that. You know, I had no real, I got my like 
general contractor's license. It was kind of a cool job. I worked on commercial, like commercial construction sites and did project management for this construction company. Um, and, but I mean, I wasn't like, that wasn't my, my gig, you know, I was like, this can't, you know, I was just was like, uh, uh, doing that. Well, while I, sort of like, all right, I'm doing a job now. It's not as fun as this learning stuff. And it's also not as fun as my athletic pursuits. Yeah. So, yeah. So I had started, that's an important, yeah, that's an important piece. I had really started to ramp up my, the training side of things. So this was like post-college, um, still running marathons, really trying to do that quickly. Um, also had like run into some folks who were doing triathlons. I didn't know what a triathlon was. I got a bike, did some triathlons, did really good at those. I grew up on the coast, so I was, I was a pretty good swimmer. I was a, I was a fast runner at the time. And then the bike, I kind of picked that up. Um, yeah, so this is definitely in the heart of like this kind of core like evolution of myself as an athlete, what, which ultimately led to me realizing that I am a better cyclist than runner. And I started racing bikes professionally. Um, but and there's a few years in the mix here where I'm like, okay, construction, that's going on. And I was like, this is really fulfilling. We also have to put this in context. Like this is mid 2000s. So we're talking like 2008 downturn economy. Um, yeah. Construction, construction industry is not going that well. I remember talking to my wife. I was like, I feel like I got to like be proactive here or like we're going to get blindsided. Um, and so, um, so I was like, what if I did something that I was really interested in? Like, what if I like, and at the time, and obviously up until even currently, like I was, um, I was like endurance sports. I was like, can I get a job like in this industry somehow? Like, what does that even look like? And so I started poking around fast forward. Um, I got a job with the Trek bicycle company and, um, that was cool. I was like, okay, now I'm in it. Like, okay. You know, and I was like learning about all these things and I was in the industry and, um, that, that put me on a path, like more exposure from a race perspective. So I started racing with one of their teams. I was traveling all around I was racing bikes. Um, and it was in that mix too, that I started to, to just be exposed to different people and different ideas. And it ultimately led me to, um, this is all over the span of like a couple, few years, um, to my first business. And that was this idea that, so at the time I was, I was, I was traveling all over and I was training a lot. And every time I would travel, I would be like, where am I, where do I train? Like, again, this is pre, you know, we, just for context, like it's pre Strava, it's pre Google, like Google places. It's pre like now, of course, like your phone knows where you're at, it pops up. Like, you know, this is all very easy stuff. This is, you know, this is 17 years ago. Um, and, and so I would get to a place and I'm like, where do I like train? Where can I go for a run? Where can I go for a bike ride? And there was a fair amount of work to, to get that information. I would call a bike shop or 
like Google was in existence, but it was like just a map kind of. So you'd have to like spread the map out and like look and see like, is there a parking lot there? Can I run to this like trail? Do I have to drive there? Do I have to like all these pieces were at play? And I was doing this all the time. Um, and so myself and my co-founder set out to solve this problem. And, the, and what we did was we were like, we crowdsourced information um, that allowed us to, to get um, like, um, places to recreate around the world. Um, and so what we did is we targeted the top 75 business travel cities in the world. We launched ambassador programs in all of those cities to crowdsource information. So we had a consumer app that you would go around, you could take pictures, you could add amenities, um, you could tell us the distance, you could, you know, is it paved? Is it all this stuff? And the idea then was that when you touch down, you could geolocate and you could, it would give you directions to this place. And so we built this, we set out to build this like solution to this very real problem that we were experiencing, which is like, how, how do I exercise? How do I recreate? How do I do it safely? Can I trust this place? Because um, again, it just, it was a pain in the ass. Like there wasn't, um, there wasn't like a real clear way to get uh, that information. Um, and yeah, and that was, and I did work, um, that happened in concert with these other things. So I was like building that. So I would wake up. So I had like a normal job. So I'd wake up at four, work on my startup from like four to eight, go to my job, get home from my job, work on that, like take a break for dinner, work on that till bed. And I did that for like two years until I moved to my startup full time. Um, we secured funding for that uh, business. Um, moved that business to California, um, and then I did it full time. But yeah, that was my setup for for a while. Like so I'm like, how did you exercise then in that? <laughs> I'm sure you worked it out though. Yeah, I. Oh, that's the other piece. I didn't. Um, I sold, so I didn't have. I didn't have time to exercise. So I sold my truck and I rode my bike everywhere. So I'd also ride. It was. Um, it was 20, 26 miles to my office one way. So I did that every day. So I'd ride my bike to work. Um, I would leave a little early sometimes and I would pull, there was like some neighborhoods on the way and I would go into those neighborhoods and I would do a workout. So I would do like interval training and then I would keep going to work and then I'd ride home. So most days, um, like, 75 a lot of days were like 100 mile days at that time i was riding five to 600 miles a week uh, on my bike had startup that i was managing and then had a full-time job and then i was racing bikes on the weekends um <laughs> so then friday i would usually pack my stuff up and i would go to a race and i would race saturday come back sunday start all that over again Rinse and repeat for years. So one thing I do hear in that, in the startup idea that you put together and eventually moved to full-time is that you were serving other athletes like yourself. This is a problem that you have when you go places, you want to know good quality places to go work out, good bike trail, that kind of thing. Is there... At that point, were you thinking at all or were you doing any like any other coaching or serving of other athletes 
did you have coaches yourself during this time? Like, when did that piece start to come into play for you in the endurance sport realm? Yeah. Yeah, I, um, I started, I started working with a coach, um, myself probably a year or so into kind of the, the time period that I just outlined where I was really, really focused Mm -hmm. on training and it became clear that like I needed to maximize my time, you know, and like with most athletes, when you start and you, and you just infuse like intensity and more training, you, you get gross gains, right? Your body responds to like just an influx of doing more stuff. And so that works mm-hmm. for a while where you're like, oh, I'm getting faster. I'm getting stronger. And then you, you know, so that's like, you know, that's like 10%. And then, so then that, that might take you to like 98 or 99%. But then it's that last couple of percent that really requires some, some real tweaking. You're not going to get it by just doing more or going fast all the time. And so having, so I got a coach. Um, this was like, this was early days of, you know, the cloud-based technology for coaching. So this was, I would literally, this coach worked at a bike shop in route to my office. So I would just swing by, the bike shop once a week and he wrote my workouts on a sheet of paper and I would just put them in my pocket and, and cruise on. And it was just like structured, you know, interval, literally just what you might imagine was like a kid, you know, passing notes at school. Like it was just like a sloppy and I paid him, you know, and rightfully so. I mean, he was a great guy, but I mean, I paid him 25 bucks or something, right? I mean, he, he didn't provide really any sort of, there was no relationship there. I just needed some workouts and, that's what I felt like, you know, that's, that's what I had access to at the time. Um, and yeah, so the fast forward was in, I was work, it was like training more and I did become really interested in coaching. I had gone on to get a few more coaches that really provided a tremendous amount of value over and above just workouts um, and had made a lot of friends and connections like, uh, racing, you know, and traveling and, and, and so started to have some people, um, like interested in me working with them. I had started to really pay very close attention to my own training. And this was also the time period we started to see access to a lot more kind of data in in endurance sports so we had early versions mm-hmm. of power meters and heart rate training it's certainly been online but we're starting to understand like what to do with that information and um we were getting like devices so these are early days of like a garmin watch right and the foot pod and you had all these things that could start to link up and it was a massive pain in the ass but it was so cool i thought it took like 30 minutes to get all this stuff linked up before your run but you know i remember you stick your foot out and try to get the satellite and you get it close to your watch and um and so i was like really really interested in that stuff from my own training and then started to uh, talk to some folks about how to apply that to their training as well and so i did start to work with some athletes um this was just like on on the side, basically, like I didn't have, um, like TEC didn't exist at this point. 
Um, I just have to point out that I think it's very ironic that what pushed you away from med school was the math sort of stuff. And then what's drawing <laughs> you into the coaching space is this data because right. data no, is you're numbers. Totally right. We're talking about numbers all the way around. So you're totally right. <laughs> yeah. It's a redemption of the whole uh, numbers thing in a whole different way than what you expected right. it to be. Yeah. And I think it, yeah, I mean, that's a good, that's a good observation. And I, I think it, you know, it felt like school, right? I, again, like I love to study and it felt like it gave me something to study, you know, it gave me something to learn. Like, what do we do with this information? What do we, where does it go? Right. These were also like early days of, of software platforms to aggregate this, this data. Right. So what we see all this like spiky heart rate, like what, so I don't know. I loved spending time with that um, because, yeah, it was like a new thing to learn. And I, oh, yeah, I think I've always liked that. Like, all the way along, you talk about <clears throat> learning or working hard, doing something towards an end, not just for the sake of the thing. Mm-hmm. So it makes sense to me that when there's these devices that have data that you would also be thinking not just oh that's interesting but like towards what end what is this Mm -hmm. going to do and be trying to figure that out that sounds a lot like the the history of your story also Mm -hmm. Um, i want to pick a little bit on pivot back to you made the move a couple years into your first startup out to California, raised some funds, started doing that full time. It sounds like what you were doing with that was sitting at a computer a lot. Like, how did that, how did that go? Was there ever a point in that startup journey that you were like, I'm sick of this endurance sports space because I'm in it all the time, but also, I don't know, or was it all just Rose's perfect happy story? Like, how did that <laughs> interweave with your own participation in the sport and just your own like professional goals and vision. Yeah. Um, it's a great question. I mean, that was a really dynamic time period. Um, I, this is a whole nother conversation, but I certainly struggled to uh, rein in that work ethic you know, talked to touched on that a little bit, like this schedule that I kept and, um, that really only got more extreme. Um, as I worked to, once the startup was off and running, we had a team we had, right. Like the responsibilities grew, there was money at stake. Um, so getting to focus full time on it did not let up on the, let's get started at 4am work out along the way and work all day, no, all the time. no, no. It got more extreme for sure. Um, I'm exhausted yeah. thinking about that. Like, how does that go for you? <laughs> yeah. I mean, just, yeah, like relentless. Um, and that was, I mean, that was by my own making. Like I, I, I thought that's what was required. I did continue to, to train. Um, not, so at this point I had, I had stopped like racing bikes in that capacity. Um, I'd really stopped racing completely. 
Um, and that was just the travel component. Like now I was traveling a lot for work. Um, and, but I mean, I, I exercised every day and that really, I mean, that was still a really important piece of, I just knew, and I didn't put this final point on at the time, but I knew just like inherently that if, if that went away, like the wheels were going to fall off. Um, the wheels are pretty close to falling off, like personally anyway. And I was like, if my health declines and like, I want to be clear, like I actually wasn't healthy, like extremely sleep. I ended up like when I exited that company, like I had high blood pressure. I had like, I was, I was not healthy. Um, I looked healthy. Like I looked, you know, I was a runner, I was a cyclist, like I was skinny. I looked more or less like I do now. Um, but like not at all on the inside. But I just knew even I was like, if this goes away, like this is going to be bad news. Like the the shit's going to hit the fan. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, I, I and that was the only thing that I would take a break from work for. Um, like I would exercise. And I would not bring my phone. Because um, now we're in the era of like, we all have iPhones. It's pretty much the workflow that we could have now, right? Like we have, mm-hmm. I have email on my phone. So now it's just like constant, right? And I have all the notifications set up because I can't imagine like not responding and meet. So it's like my phone's is always like going crazy. Um, and yeah, exercise is like this, this can't be the thing that goes away. Um, and yeah, it, it, uh, it stayed consistent. I was also, um, I was also coaching athletes still. So there was a really interesting, like I was very intent on staying connected to that space. And I was, I was involved in it like tangentially with, with the startup. Um, We were doing, you know, a bit of a different thing. We weren't like specifically a kind of in endurance sports. We were, you know, kind of above it in terms of trying to provide a resource for those customers. Um, but yeah, I was coaching athletes because I, I just felt like I wanted to stay connected to that space. It was something that I still really believed in. Um, so yeah, I think that was, that was an important piece. I didn't recognize it at the time, but honestly, like it probably, it probably saved me from like, you know, maybe even being, more unhealthy having that like connection to people being invested in those athletes like emotionally working with them like doing everything that coaches do um that was a really great like um i mean it's almost like an escape right like i really looked forward to that work um Hmm. and, and i liked the work of a startup but again like a lot of that was on me i just didn't approach it i was young i just didn't i didn't know how to like manage that pressure well with my personality it just manifested itself in very poorly (laughs) at times um so yeah the coaching piece was really important so how did that go with your exit out of that company was that like you exited because you were ready to do something else or the company got bought like what was the exit was it like a big picture everybody thing or like a Taylor's making a change or combination 
Yeah. Yeah, it was a bit of a, it was a bit of both. We were working to we we thought that it was like a consumer app. Like, you know, we were we were imagining that eventually we would get to a place where like, you know, 5 million people would have this app on their phone and they would be using it and they would be engaging with this crowdsourced data. Um as you well know, that's really hard to scale. Um it's hard to get those numbers, you know? Um, and we had made some progress there, but what ended up happening was that it was a, it was a data play. What we didn't really realize as it was happening is that we were building a database that was very valuable. Again, before, before all this information existed, what we ended up having was a lot of really, really, um, trustworthy data points of where these places are around the world. And so I was, I was ready for a change. It was also clear that it probably wasn't going to be a consumer app. Um, not at, not at the scale that we wanted and not to, um, we weren't going to like accomplish the revenue stream component that we were looking for from that, like, you know, a, a freemium type uh, model where two ninety nine for an upgrade, right. We needed, we needed 20 million people to be, you know, using the, the app or whatever um, for then like a percentage of those to upgrade to then have any sort of revenue. And even then it was not great. Right. Like, you know, it sounds ludicrous, but I mean, you know, this space, like, the numbers are so inflated. Like, you know, you start, like you take on capital and you're like, okay, well, great. I have like 5 million people that are paying, but if that only gives me $10 million a year, that's still not really that great. Like that still doesn't lead to that like 10 X exit that, you know, venture capital wants and these types of things. So we were struggling to like figure out the model and then we, it became clear that this data was important. So long story short, like we kind of exited from the data, the data was acquired. Um, and um, like the database and that ended up being leveraged and used in another product. Um, and, and then, yeah, at that same time, I was like, um, I think I was just burnt out. Like it, it, it wasn't, I'd been doing it for a good number of years, burn the candle at both ends. It kind of upended my family, moved them to California for this business. Um, and, uh, and so, yeah, it was time for a change for me as well. So the timing of that, like coincided for sure. So I want to pick on that piece a little bit. You're coaching other athletes. Sounds like you got a lot of enjoyment out of that. That was maybe filling your bucket a bit. You're still working out quite a bit. Uh, you you have this company. What was it that let you know it's time for a change from your job versus I mean, I, I know you said you just sort of knew in your heart you needed to keep working out or it just wasn't going to be good. Um, but kind of out, outside of that piece, what was it that really let you know it's time for a change from the job? Like, was it from the job, from how you were interacting with it? What, what were you thinking needed to change? Mm-hmm. And and how did you know that there was some kind of change needed? Yeah, 
this part of the story is not uh, not particularly sexy, but it is very real in the sense that I went to get a physical uh, at the doctor, and uh, again, like exercised every day, like looked healthy, um, f- felt like uh, I, don't, I didn't feel healthy. Like I felt fit, right? Like I could run fast. Like I could ride my bike quick. Um, I certainly didn't feel healthy. Like, I mean, I was massively sleep deprived over the course of like years and years and years, chronically dehydrated. Um, the list goes on. So I went to get a physical doctor checks me up. I'm like super confident. I've always had great physicals, you know, I mean, up to that point and then later in life. And, uh, she was like, she's like, you have like dangerously high blood pressure. Um, she's like, I actually not sure I can let you leave the office without putting you on blood pressure medication. And I'm, I was 27 years old and, uh, that'll get your, yeah, I was like, that's impossible. Like, I mean, I remember being like, I mean, this sounds awful, but I was like, look at me, you know, like I had a six pack. Like I was like, what are you talking about? And, uh, and she was like, I'm like, she's like, I'm telling you. And I was like, okay, well, let's hold on a second on the medicine. Like, I don't remember exactly how that conversation went down, but, and she said, she said, I'll give you, um, she said, I'll give you a week to like manage it. And if you, if it's not like, if there's not some improvement, like I, I'm, I'm, it's dangerous. Like I'm going to have to put you on medication. Um, and so I went home and I told my wife and I, 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 I mean, I freaked out where I was just like, I ate steamed vegetables and like, and like plain rice every day, like drink water, stop drinking coffee. Um, and I, and again, it was just that, like, it did come back to my why. I was just like, what? Like, what the fuck is the point? Like, if I mean, all this was to, so that myself and like, so I could, you know, build a life with people that I care about, like share experiences with people that I care about. Like, if like, it's literally killing me. Um, You're thinking at that point though, you're like, I went home, I quit drinking coffee, steamed vegetables. Were you approaching it initially as like, I, I must need to change my diet? Or were you thinking at all like, this is coming from? Yeah, no, I knew it was work. No, I, I was eating fine. Like that was my kind of freak out you see, extreme you, reaction. You were eating, but you know, you knew that wasn't really your problem. Anymore. Totally. That felt like a way to like control it um, in the moment. Um, no, like my diet was good. You know, again, like I was, I drank too much coffee, but um, my wife's a great cook. Like we have always enjoyed spending time in the kitchen. Like I knew that that wasn't the thing. It wasn't like I was eating fast food and like, no, it was my job. Like I knew what I, like when she said it, I was like, I mean, I remember being like, yeah, like I kind of figured that would catch up to me eventually. But I also just always thought that I was like young enough to beat it. I was like, yeah, but like I can do that now. Like I'm young and I'll just fix it later. And I can work myself to death now and like, it'll pay off. And then when I'm somewhere down the road, like, you know, I just, I thought I had, I don't know, you know, I just thought I had like time in terms of like to write the ship. And I mean, it was in that same day where I 
I was like, well, this, like this, this job isn't, it's not serving me anymore. Um, and like to some end, like it was killing me. Spot. Uh So you knew you got this bad physical, you knew this is my job. It's way too stressful. So obviously the way things were happening, like it was creating this high stress in you, in your body, either at the time or looking back now, did you see that also spilling out into what your workouts looked like, how they felt and how you were showing up with other people in your job as a boss. Um, like, was it really just this, the physicality of this bad physical for you where it was all being piled up on, or could you see it having an effect in these other areas also either now or at the time, like how did it play Mm -hmm. out across the spectrum of your life? Yeah. Well, it certainly was impacted my relationship with my wife in the sense that I had an inability to be present. Um, I didn't, I didn't take a single day off work for eight years. Um, we went on vacations. I sat in the room and worked. We went to dinner. I was working. We went like it was at all cost. Um, and you know, again, I guess I, that was that, like, I thought I had like the luxury of time. I was like, well, I like, we'll sacrifice now. And then like, I can be present later. Like we can take vacations where I can pay attention later or whatever. Um, so, I mean, that was the ma- and I'm sure it showed up in, in how I worked with my team. Um, I'm sure it showed up in how I felt physically. I had just blocked a lot of that out. You know, I just had this tunnel vision, singular focus on just a sprint to the finish line. Um, okay. You know, and with startups, like with that particular, with tech startups, like, that's how you think about it. Like it's not a it's not a legacy company. That was a company to be acquired. Um and we were just like all we have to do is just get it there. Um and and yeah, I just that's all I thought about was what can I do? How much work can I put in every single day to get it a little bit closer to the finish line? And then when I get to the finish line, I can take a breath. I can take care of myself. I can pay attention to my wife. I can be engaged in conversations with people around me. The list goes on. That's interesting. So I want to kind of push forward because we're already at like an hour here and want to get to a little bit more piece of the story. But I think it's just interesting to note that, which makes sense. There's so much this tunnel vision from the culture you were in that um, you really had to have some actual data put in your face to make you really stop and acknowledge that it wasn't working for you. But even still that it beyond maybe the very close areas to you, it, it didn't, it doesn't even stick out now, like how that was affecting all of these other areas of your life, even though Mm -hmm. 
logically we know it must have shown up somehow. Um, mm -hmm. It's just what that tunnel vision creates. Um, and says a lot about how much you value your wife, that that was the other area that you immediately went to understanding that you were making those trade-offs. But <clears throat> um, yeah, totally. Post leaving your startup, you move on to other things. When was it? You found value. It sounds like during your time as an athlete, you really found value over time working with good coaches. You must have been providing value as a coach to the athletes you were working with um, for there to be more athletes that wanted to work with you and for people to work with you over time. When was it that, like, what brought you to the point where you decided you needed or took advantage of some more like work professional leadership development type of coaching? I don't know what, what you would have called it at the time, but why did you bring that piece into your life? <clears throat> like, clearly, mm. you're already very disciplined and able to uh, keep yourself on track more or less. Mm -hmm. So what was the impetus for bringing this other piece into your life? Yeah. Um, I think I got really tired of doing it alone. Um, if we back up just a second, like just, so that company, uh, we get out of that company, acquired, move on. The next thing I did was start a coaching company. Like a little bit loosely. Like I, I took a bit of time because I was like, you know, I got to get, I got to like write the ship again. So I, I don't want to paint the picture that I go fully straight back. Um, but I had some athletes I was working with. I was like, okay, like this, I, I really like this. This is something I can do. I'm interested to think about this through the lens of like what I learned from the startup, which, you know, is like challenging as that was, I've always described as like, you know, that was business school, right? Like I learned a lot that, I mean, it was, it was brutal, but you know, so was business school. Maybe, I don't know. I've never been, but that was like my real world business school. I learned a lot. I'm grateful yeah. for that experience. I was like, okay, how can I apply some of these things to, to this new business? So started that move forward. Um, and yeah, you know, and did that alone, um, partly out of like fear, I think from, from like getting myself back into the same situation I'd been in before. Um, mm -hmm. my, my natural, like, like resting place is not rest. Like I, that's my default mode is what I just described. Like I, I wasn't pushed into that position. I wasn't, no one told me to work like that. That's just where I land naturally. Um, and so as I moved into coaching that, you know, TEC was born, start building that up. Um, yeah, I just was, I just really wanted, I think part of it was like being a student and wanting to like hone those skills, wanting to, to engage in business in a way that felt like fulfilling. Um, yeah, let me part ask. Part of it. Yeah. Tell me if this makes sense. 
because I, you mentioned when you started even getting those workouts from your first endurance coach to working with other ones, that is like, you could buckle down and just work really hard and get faster and go farther on your own to a point, like your bodies know what to do, you can gain this certain amount of gain. But then there comes a point that just trying to run faster or just going longer, you get diminishing returns, doesn't help as much. Um, so you needed an expert to kind of help you do that tweaking for that final percentage. Mm -hmm. Was it somewhere along those lines where like, obviously you knew how to work really hard. You built up a company, you led a business, you knew how to push and like work all the time, but finding a way to like tweak how you were doing well without just trying to do like push more that that was, that doesn't come naturally to you. You couldn't really do that so well on your own. Mm -hmm. Is that analogy, like analogy I'm drawing across makes sense? Was it something along those lines that like you didn't quite know how to do that yourself and needed help to approach it differently? Yeah, I think that's a great analogy. I hadn't thought about it that way, but I think that's exactly it. It's like I had made those gross gains and gotten the you know, whatever the 80% on my own. And yeah, I think it's exactly it. I was like, you know, can I figure this out? Like probably, you know, maybe <clears throat> I was like, but it feels like if I can flatten the learning curve, you know, and, and, and I had come, I, you know, I, I know the value of coaching. I know the value mm -hmm. of mentorship. I've been in that space in, you know, multiple capacities most of my life um and i just yeah when i was when i thought about how to solve for that to take me where i wanted to go it seemed like a the very clear answer was like coaching or mentorship or some group of pe something to like help me build that bridge like that that it it didn't make sense for me to try to figure that out all of my own um, let me pick on that, that just a little bit because mm -hmm. for a long time you'd had some kind of athletic coach you've been doing athletic coaching so you understood the value there why why do you think it took you so long like post it sounds like post your exit from the startup company so that's why I'm saying so long why do you think it took you so long to think I need this in other areas of my life, or I need this in this area of my life. Yeah, no, I mean, it did take a long time. Um, re relative to what I could have accomplished had I sought that out sooner. And the answer is pride. I thought I was really good at, at business. I was like, I've been an entrepreneur most of my life. Like, I got this. Like, I don't need other people. Um, and I, yeah, it took me, it took me a while to, to kind of come to terms with that, you know, and to be like, no, I don't, I don't have all the answers. And it's not my job to have all the answers too. Like that's the place mm -hmm. like now currently I love showing up as not the smartest person in the room. 
I hope that that happens every time. Like it's it if if that's not the case, like I'm not surrounding myself with the right people. It took me a while to recognize my role in kind of the ecosystem that I have built. Um, hmm. And that support is the way to move forward. Mentorship, like to put, surround myself with people that can help me figure out solutions to the things that I want to solve. And it's not, and it's not all my ideas. Like, and so, yeah, I think that was just me grappling with like some, some pride stuff to, and recognizing, I think like what leadership is, you know, what entrepreneurship is. One of the real tipping points too was recognizing that, that I was, I was really just a technician, right? Like I was a small business owner, um, not the entrepreneur that I had told myself that I was. Meaning that for me to get to where I wanted to go and to be able to actually build like legacy and impact focused businesses, I had to get out of my own way. I had to remove myself from, from, you know, day-to-day operations or just remove myself from the, the, as a linchpin that's stopping the growth. Um, And again, there's just some pride stuff there. I was like, oh, yeah, like that's a narrative that I told myself. Like I have this business and we have these people and we have all these athletes and we have all these things. But like at the end of the day, like if I leave, the whole thing falls apart. Um, and um, and that's not what I'd set out to build. Um, and so it took a recognition of like, oh, I need some support here. Like there needs to be some somebody. I need somebody to help me understand like, how to build this bridge. What are these next pieces that clearly I'm not able to put together on my own? Just to pick a little bit deeper than that pride answer, like what do you think it was either within you or just within the differences of these spaces that it was easier to see way earlier on um, the, the value that having an endurance or athletic coach brought to you or would bring to you um what made that more natural inherent just kind of part of that journey that you had in competing in the sports and being involved in that space um versus it being so much harder to see that as a potential value or thing to pursue or put in your life earlier yeah well i think I've thought about so parts of this okay, a lot. But you probably could have been prideful about sports too, because apparently you took pretty naturally to cross country running and this stuff. And yeah, but you saw a point at which you wanted to get better than what you thought you were going to get completely on your own. I mean, own I think I think part of there's some differences. I don't know if this answers your question, but one of the things I've thought about a lot is like with with sports it's um parts of it are are like pretty cut and dry in the sense that like we know we have science we know that if i apply certain stimulus for long enough i'm going to yield fitness there's a lot of that's out of our control but in terms of like 
really seeing that progression and understanding the building blocks of that and having that laid out in front of us, we can get really, really clear on what that looks like. Like I can, I can build, I can build out a multi-year plan for an athlete and we can, now there's going to be a lot of bumps in the road, but we can generally map out that progression towards their goals. That's really hard to do in business. It is much less clear. <laughs> um, Just like in sports, it was like, if you're getting this time in your marathon, it's, it's kind of very clear data that other people have a faster time in the marathon. Mm-hmm. And so it was more like, let me just have, get access to the people that know how that tweak happened to increase that speed. It's like a little bit more of a cut and dry. Process. Yeah. I think there's less than in time. It, it, it's more yeah. black and white. Yeah. In, in yeah. some ways, and I'm not, you know, uh, like, obviously I am, I appreciate the nuance of endurance sports. But in, in many ways, it is a lot more cut and dry. It's a lot more black and white. Did I do it or didn't I? Is the time faster or isn't it? And then what do I need to, right? And then we can rinse and repeat. Like it, it's, not, it's not overly complex in so many ways. Building a business is, is all nuance. There is no, right? Like it's so. Yeah, yeah. You don't walk out of a meeting going, okay, I had this time and the best business leaders walk out with this time it's right and like uh, when you're building it (laughs) um yeah there's just i mean there's so many moving parts you know and it's so um yeah i don't it's just it's just harder and it's it's harder i think to recognize in some ways it's harder to recognize our strengths um In, in sport, you can like, it becomes very clear. Like I'm a great climber, right? Like on a bicycle, like I can go uphill. Um, I'm a good sprinter. You have data, right? I did this climb faster than everyone else. If I do that enough times, I'm probably a good climber. If I continue to beat people in a sprint, well, guess what? I'm a good sprinter. We should lean into that, right? Pick a zone. Mm-hmm. It's a, business. It's, it's just not as clear like where you're strong at, you know, and in specifically with leadership, when it comes to, and when I'm talking about leadership, I'm talking about like, you know, aggregating people and, and moving a collective group of individuals, like in the direction of a shared mission. So we're not talking about like, I'm going to put in, you know, I'm going to market my business better. Like there's tactical pieces of business that are sure. pretty clear cut and dry. But when we talk about like building, you know, scalable companies and and solving things that no one has solved for before and thinking about things differently like there's so many moving parts and it's really hard to know like what you're good at. Um and it's really easy to fall back on to 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 things that you know that you're good at to hide from pushing yourself to be better, right? Like I'm a details guy. So like if I if I'm hiding um I just fall back on details. 
right? I'm like, oh, I can do like operations, right? I can just make a long list of all the things that need to be done in this business. And I can just plow through. Yeah, I can like website and marketing and admin. And I can just, I can, and I can just map out all of the details. And that feels good. Um, And I'm hiding from like everything else, right? In terms of like what's actually required to, for me to truly like, show up in that space. And so back to like the mentorship piece, like that's the, it, it takes, it takes like an external, um, you gotta have somebody else looking at that. You know, you gotta have some outside perspective because it's so easy to hide in the things that you're good at. And that's probably not what's going to move your business forward. Um, so it sounds like, you got to a point post exit from the startup where you like, you made some changes. So like, okay, this should in one way, it would be easy to tell yourself like this should fix all the problems that I had with the startup of the overworking. So I'm doing stuff different now, but you still got to a point where you realized you weren't maybe having as much fun as you wanted or weren't as like, there was still maybe a high level of anxiety or worry. Some, version of that and and where you looked at it and recognized the end that you cared to build for was not what was there and that it might be difficult to get there on your own some combination yeah I think it's the latter I think I I think I second piece yeah I think I I knew at least as much you know, with the information that I had, I knew what I wanted to build. And I knew that the actions I were, I was taking weren't going to add up to that. Um, and, and that I didn't know what, um, I didn't really know what to do to pivot. I didn't, I didn't know, Mm. you know, how to, how to, solve for some of those things myself. Um, and again, that's, I mean, that comes back to, or it certainly ties into a bit of that pride piece, like where it's that, that started with a very real conversation with myself of like, this isn't like, this isn't really working for you. You know, like if if you want to really do what you say you, you want to do, then you, you better like, you better make some changes. You better figure something out. This trajectory where you're just doing it all on your own and you're like, what's the end goal here? It's going to either take too long or you're going to, it's going to fail in the process. Um, and so I think that was part of it too. It was just like a real recognition. It was like, well, you've tried it this way. This isn't working. Like if you're real honest with yourself, Taylor, this isn't, it hasn't added up to be what you've said you wanted it to be. So if that's still truly what you want, like what are the actions you're willing to take to, to, to change that? Um, and yeah, and I was like, okay, well, then that must mean somebody else needs to be involved, right? I need to get some other people on the, on the bus uh, to help me answer some of these things. Yeah, when you're saying it like that, I'm like, that so clearly draws a line to the point at which you got an athletic coach of like, the stuff you're right. putting in aren't getting back out the level of tweaks that you want. Once you could recognize that, like, oh yeah, 
that's what other people are for. Um, but can be hard to bring in. So yeah, I think we're getting close to when probably we should wrap up. Um, but I want to pull on that just a little bit. Like you recognize reality within yourself a little bit to the point where you were realizing what you're putting in isn't, you're not getting out what you really want of it. Um, so you got some coaching, some mentorship, some help, something. <clears throat> Was it like the first conversation? I'm sold. This is it. Now I have the new clear vision of tweak these inputs and I'm going to get what I want. Like, was it that clear and easy or, or not? What, what was that like kind of delving into that new world? <laughs> yeah, no, hell no. No, it wasn't clear at all. Um, <laughs> you can see through your face, you're like, no. <laughs> yeah, well, and it's the same, it's the same with, with exercise. I mean, to draw that through line, right? Is it like, you decide to do it, you start doing it, and then you just have to stick with it long enough to see results, right? Like that, I mean, that's mm -hmm. why people get frustrated with, with exercise or, or don't remain consistent because it takes a hell of a lot longer than we want to believe that it does, right? Mm -hmm. Like way, way, way longer. Mm -hmm. Like it's not even, it's not 90 days to your best self, right? It's like, it's like 90 years, right? Like it's a lifetime pursuit. <laughs> um, and it's, and that's the same thing when in business. No, I, I, you know, sought out mentorship and different groups and really put myself out there. And then for, I mean, a, you know, certainly months of like consistent weekly engagement. Um, I was like, where is this going? Like what, how is this going to help me? I wasn't clear where these conversations I was having with people were supposed to end up. Um, but, but again, I, I was, I'll, you know, I'll credit like endurance sports and training. I also was well-versed in that space in the sense it was like, well, I can sit here. Like I can hang out in mm -hmm. some sort of ambiguity, knowing that typically consistency is what yields results. If I just keep showing up, then I have to give this enough time to see like if it yields results, like it, it doesn't make sense. I don't expect anything ever to happen in like a month, right. Or six months, like things take time, like especially like hard things, things that you really care about. Like those things should take some effort to move. Um, and so I just, I just did really, and I did this at the onset. I was like, I'm just going to stick with this. I'm going to give it, I'm going to engage in these conversations. I'm going to keep finding people to connect with. I'm going to keep investing in myself and, and working to have conversations that I've never had to think about things that I've never thought about before. And that alone felt like it was worthwhile. I was like, there's probably like, there's something here. Like if I haven't thought about these things before, or I haven't talked about them or people are asking me questions that I've never been asked before. Like that's, there's something to that. Like, you know, that's in some way, that's what I'm looking for. Even if that doesn't necessarily yield results, like it prompts different ways of thinking or it kind of reroutes your, you know, mental framework. And uh, yeah, no, I just, I just decided to, 
to stick with it. And I, and I think, yeah, I don't know that, that always seemed like a very obvious, um, approach. Like I was never under the delusion that I was going to like show up for a first like mentorship, you know, call or like a group entrepreneurial thing. And like, and I was like, all right guys, like, you know, thanks. I'm off now. I'm going to go change my business and check, you know, I mean, I just, (laughs) yeah, like I got shit to do. Bye guys. Endurance sports stuff. That makes a lot of sense because I'm sure with all your coaching of athletes too, you're probably really used to saying things like, Hey, you got to just stick with this, be consistent. You're not going to you know, shave off those few seconds just because for two weeks you tweak this part of how you're working out. It's going to take right. longer than that. So mm-hmm. saying that kind of refrain, even if it was in a different area, I'm sure must've shaped you also to understand that like real rewards or gains come with a different level of like consistency over time. That's very not our American culture overall, I would say. Um, <clears throat> yeah. I mean, I think, I mean, yeah, that's a whole other thing. There is a lot of instant gratification. Like that's why fast food does really well, even though we all might say like, why would I eat that bad for you? <laughs> like, yeah. You yeah. Like Cause it's things. quick. It's easy. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because like being uncomfortable for long periods of time and sitting in ambiguity is like a really hard thing to do, right? Even with food. Mm-hmm. You're mm-hmm. like, yeah, like I could go to the grocery store and I could think about ingredients. I could come home and I could cook it and I can all that, you know, like what's the clear in like eventually it's a lot. Whereas like I show up to a fast food, I know what I'm going to get. I don't have to hang out in prep work for very long. I get immediate results. I'm off and running. Um, and I... I mean, I, I really work to, and I, again, this is with endurance sports and business. I think you got to get really comfortable and really good at being in that space. Cause anything worth having takes a, a long time to, to do right. Uh, f- fitness, yeah. you know, a, he- a healthy body, a fit body, a fit mind, a, a fit business, a great team, a great, these are all like m- massive thing. Again, like they should be hard cause they also don't exist um, not everyone has them. Right. And so because they're not free, because they're not guaranteed, like it, there's work required. Um, and I, I just never imagine a scenario where it's going to happen quickly or it's going to be easy. And that, that, that's, and I just, yeah, I think I'm just fine hanging out in that space. And that was part of like the mentorship thing with business where I, there is an expectation alignment where I, I committed before it even started. I was like, I'm going to, I'm going to go in like it's happening and I'm going to take this as far as I can take it and get as much out of this as I can. And even if this isn't the be all end all and you know, this like, you got to give it, you got to give it a hundred percent, you know? And I think in the business space and the leadership space, it's hard you know, like you want to see movement, you know, like in the work that we do in impact initiative, people have very real problems they want to solve in their business, be it revenue or team. And we want to fix those things quickly because they're pain points. They're frustrating. They're keeping us from our goals, but there's the, it takes some time, you know, and it doesn't, it doesn't say years, but like you, you have to, you have to commit, you have to, you have to, 
you know, you have to get into it. Um, and I, in recognizing that typically, yeah, go ahead. That that, that makes so much sense when you say it like that. I keep thinking of, um, you know, we have idioms and sayings because usually gives us some common sense, ancient human knowledge, like Rome wasn't built in a day. Like you can apply that to endurance sports, the business world, to being mentally healthy, whatever else you want across the board. It's going to that point. You've just been saying that making one change once doesn't do anything. You have to know it over time, but I can see how being in that space for so long as an athlete, you really very literally know that truth in your body. Like you didn't Mm -hmm. had to do these same things over time consistently, get feedback, keep working on it to get to the places that you wanted to. And I can see how, how understanding that eventually started to serve you well when you started applying it to other areas of, okay, I'm going to commit to it up front and I'm not going to expect some amazing big thing day one of trying something different. Um, Mm -hmm. But it makes sense. It's very common sense. It's really hard to do. It's hard to sit in that ambiguity, which you kept saying. And I, um, I haven't really thought about in the sports world that needing to have that willingness to sit in ambiguity too much. Um, Other than I do like college basketball and we'll hear some stories sometimes if someone gets to their college coach or their NBA coach and they tell them, hey, you're shooting free throws wrong. You got to change how you're shooting it altogether. Then you get a lot Mm -hmm. worse before they get better. And that's one of those, like, you got to sit in a lot of ambiguity Mm -hmm. spaces. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, I have never done anything close to a marathon. So I think about that. I'm like. I don't know. You just, if you could finish it, just keep going. How much ambiguity are you sitting in there? But I'm sure there's a lot of it when you're really watching, yeah. tracking your time and you're trying to bring that time down just by that little bit. And yeah. Well, and it's just like knowing sitting in business too. Like we're going to try these things. We're going to tweak it. I'm going to work on myself. I'm going to try to think about something differently. Yeah. It's not going to instantly change. Everything. Yeah, it's like the tweaks that we make in business are just like, workouts, right? In the sense that if I do a week of really good workouts and I'm prepping for a marathon, that doesn't mean that I'm ready to run a marathon, right? I'm actually not really any closer than I was last week. I'm just a few small building blocks closer. The only thing that moves the needle, it it would be four to six weeks of really good workouts, very consistently combined with good sleep and good diet and good, you know, emotional, mental stress response. And, uh, and so it's the same thing with tweaks in business is like, okay, I'm going to change this marketing strategy. I'm going to bring in somebody on the team. Well, that doesn't solve anything right now, right? Like it takes, it takes many of those. It takes, and you have to let that hang out. You have to test that. You have to, and you have to be willing to fail. You have to be willing to say, well, that, that didn't work. That was a bad idea. And you have to take feedback and not let it mean anything about you, right? Same thing on the on the training side. You have to be like, if the coach asks you, like, did you really do everything that you could to make this consistent and to get in your workouts? And if you know that the answer is no, don't be mad that the coach asked you that, right? Don't be <laughs> mad that you're getting pushback. 
right? You have to be willing to say, no, I didn't. No, I stayed up too late. I spent too much time on Netflix. I said, right, like if, if, you're, if what you really care about is training for that marathon, then you need to go to bed early. You need to wake up and get your run in so that you can, right? Whatever that scenario is, same thing in business. If that's what you really care about, you have to be willing to say like, no, I didn't do this and I can do better and we're going to work on it. Like, and we're going to keep at it and we're going to sit in this for much longer than we all care to sit in it because we believe in it. And that's eventually stacked. Some total of the effort is going to be what moves the needle. It, it happens even slower in business, right? Like we can actually see movement relatively quickly in exercise, not as quick as people like, but you know, we, we look at things in like six to eight week chunks, where if you commit for two months, you can see some meaningful change in how you feel and your speed and your, that, you know, business is tough. Like two months, yeah, it's just it's it, yeah. you know we're talking like it's like I mean I don't even know. Could be big yeah, it's just maybe not. Yeah, yeah. I mean maybe so, like, but it's probably like it's when you see you know when you have these like great months where things start to click. What I've found is it's probably like the the cumulative effort of the last yeah. like year, right? Of decisions you've made small tweaks over time, conversations you've had, seeds you've planted, people that you've put around you. And that slowly but surely, eventually that month, like it pops and you're like, oh man, what do we do? What, what we did is we were, we were at it for the last year. We, you know, and we had some good days. We also had some shit days and some shit months and some things that, you know, we felt like it was never going to move. But again, the tide starts to turn, but it's because you have the momentum of lots of effort behind you it's like you hear, you know, it's like the overnight success that took 10 years, right? Everybody yeah, loves yeah. to talk in business about like, oh man, that person went off and did this $100 million thing. What you didn't see was almost always like the decade that person spent in their basement, just beating their head against the wall, sticking with it for long enough so that they could finally get the momentum needed to turn, you know, to, to turn the lights on. Um, and I, you know, I, I, I think there's beauty in that. I love, I love that that's the way it is. I think it shouldn't be easy. Like, I love that it is brutal. Um, it's, it's worthwhile, right? Like it, it doesn't have a lot of value if it comes easy. Um, right. It's like fast food. There's a reason it's cheap. It doesn't have any value. Right. It's too easy. Yeah. Like, yeah. Like great meals cost more because they have value. It's an experience. It provides something. It's an inflection point in your life. Um, same thing with business. Like if it happens overnight, like, I mean, one, you know, very rarely is that the case, but it, yeah, I just, it should be hard. Fitness should be hard to build. Businesses should be hard to build. Amazing teams should be hard to build. That makes you care about them, right? It makes you invested in them in a meaningful way. And I think that's great. Like, I'm glad it doesn't come easy um, because the work is what is enjoyable, right? Like the process has to be the thing that you're excited about because yeah. We we yeah, don't that, know what the end goal is going to be. Find the hard work that's enjoyable, where you enjoy right. seeing the result, but you enjoy the hard work. That's mm -hmm. those are the places you want to put your energy. Well, okay. Yeah. As we wrap up, if I was going to kind of tie up in a nice little pretty bow, even though life doesn't work like that, the story of Taylor 
journey so far. Tell me how this sounds that um, the hard work piece across the board, that's a natural thing. Always good at that and applying it, sports, work, whatever it was, that hard work piece was there. When you learned or as you learned over time to apply some of those other lessons from the sports to the rest of your life, the value of like learning from those who have already done it, <clears throat> of how consistency over time and changes is where you see the benefit results. Though those kind of connections, bringing them all the way through to the rest of your life is what helped you move into a space of more balance and like holistic healthiness across physical and work balance and life balance. Not that, not trying to tie it up in a way of saying you've arrived, you've got it. I think we both agree that like life is a journey and a process in all areas and you've got to be in that process. But that, uh, pulling across some of those things of just being willing to commit and the consistency over time. Um, and that pushing harder doesn't always give you results. Getting wisdom from those who've gone before you can really help a lot. Just bringing those lessons all the way across helped move you into a different, different place. That's been valuable for you. Would that be a, a fair sort of yeah. sum up of, of <laughs> what we've talked about and, and where we got to? Yeah. Yeah. I think, you know, nothing like nothing happens in a vacuum that, that all of our experiences in life, I think apply to kind of all of the other areas and all mm -hmm. of the kind of seasons of our life. Um, I think that, um, you know, I've heard it described as um, a phrase that I love uh, by two authors that I like, uh, Brad Stolberg and Steve Magnus. Um, I think Brad refers to it as heroic individualism, right? It's just hmm. this, like this idea that that it's somehow heroic to do it all on your own and not need support. Hmm. Um, and that that is, that is um, that's not the way to go about it. Like heroic individualism is not the answer. That the way the way that we reach our goals, the way that we do the things we want to do in life is through like bringing people along with us and, and, and truly showing up for those people in a meaningful way and letting them show up for you and to share those experiences with people. And, and so, yeah, like make sure, make sure it's hard and not miserable. You know, I think like you said, you know, how you, you know, the lesson you teach your kids, like, um, I think hard is great. I think we should look for hard things. Um, I don't, I don't think it should be easy. I don't think we get a lot of value out of easy, but it shouldn't be miserable. You know, it should be, it should be enjoyable. And I think there's no better place that that applies than in business and entrepreneurship. Like what an opportunity, right? Like what an amazing journey. Um, it can be, it can also be, it can also be brutal. Um, and it can be brutal for all of those involved, including the founder or entrepreneur, you know, the people that started the thing. And I don't, I don't want that to be the case for people, you know, like I believe 
in doing hard things. I believe in supporting people that want to create great businesses and build a legacy. And I don't want that to be miserable. You know, I've been there and it sucks. Um, it doesn't have to be that way. So that's my, uh, yeah. Fast forward all the way to today. And that's just how I want to, you know, I want to, I want to take all of the combined pieces of my experience and help people. Uh, I just, I I've, I've said, um, I, I think, um, I think it came up sometime. I forget who said this, but like that my, my job where I spend my time is to help people spend less time, uh, doing or spend more time doing shit they care about. Like that's how I sum up the work that I do and like how I spend my days. Um, it's like, I just want you to spend more time doing, doing, doing stuff that you like, you know, and not being miserable. So yeah, that's the, uh, that's the bow. That's the bow that wraps up Taylor's life story thus far. Um, stay tuned. Twists and turns, I'm sure, to come. We'll have to do a yearly. You'll never guess. You'll never guess. All the way through. It's like you learn something, you find some value from it. You really love to share it with other people. Like, hey, let me, uh, let me make this better. Even from your first startup of like, you would go to a place and you figure out where you want to go work out. I'm sure that was part of the idea for that came from, well, man, now I know these great trails to go. <laughs> would it be great if anyone else who came here would just know these are some great places instead of mm-hmm. them having to figure it out on their own? And that totally that goes all the way across into all of those other areas. Okay, cool. I learned this. I know this. Let me make it easier for other people to know and not have to go do all the grunt work to figure it out for themselves, which is yeah. awesome. Totally. Yeah. I think that sums it up. It's like just flatten the learning curve. You know, if people can just spend more time or get to spend more time doing what they love more quickly and with more support and feeling less alone and less siloed, like that's where I want to show up for people. Like that's how I want my work to, to impact people. Um, so yeah, I'll keep at it and it's really hard. And that's a, that's an okay thing. <laughs> Hard is not bad. Hard is good. <clears throat> yeah, totally. Well, thanks for, thanks for chatting and. Uh, let's now. Th- 